looking at the uh, psalm that we have for this morning, I realized I could pretty much have simply uh, read that to y'all rather than giving this sermon. So if you'd like to tune me out for the next few minutes, um, read that psalm, grab a Bible or prayer book, read the whole thing um, several times throughout the week, and you'll pretty much get everything that I'm going to be saying right now. So, preacher giving you permission to sleep, that's kind of nice. Um, thinking about our gospel... The uh, fishermen whom Jesus called to be his disciples left their nets immediately and followed him. Presumably they quit their jobs. Now the thought of us quitting our jobs in order to follow Jesus might be something that keeps many people from wanting to follow Jesus. Or at least, for those of us who do follow Jesus, it might keep us maybe a little bit further back, following at something of a distance. Lord, I want to follow you, we might say, but I just can't quit my job and live on the streets. And I think that's a fair enough response to the call to follow Jesus. Say you were to quit your job. What next? Okay, Lord, now what? What purpose would quitting your job serve? Well, let me say a couple of things about this idea of the disciples quitting their jobs and see maybe what's really going on here if if we really have to stop working in order to follow Jesus. So for one thing, we know Jesus' disciples and Jesus himself didn't starve during their time of ministry. They were ministering for about three years. And during that whole time, they ate somehow. Two, we know that itinerant preachers going from one town to another were fairly common back in those days. And so there's nothing entirely out of the ordinary with the disciples following Jesus. Three, there is nothing mentioned in general in any of the Gospels about how the disciples ate or where they slept. There are a couple of miracle stories, the feeding of the 5,000, feeding of the 4,000, a couple of parties that Jesus went to, uh, one that his disciples threw, there was a wedding, there was the Last Supper. But other than these about five or six meals, we don't hear a word about how the disciples ate. The meals went completely unmarked. And so I bring this up because we can therefore assume that the disciples ate with Jesus in fairly unremarkable ways, without miracles, and without a great deal of social upheaval. Whatever they did to survive, we can assume was fairly in step with the culture of their society. Whatever they did was not unheard of, or the gospel writers would have written something about it. So Jesus and his disciples ate in unremarkable ways. And they were able to survive for these three years, presumably having quit their jobs, in fairly unremarkable ways. We don't know exactly how. It's not mentioned. But it obviously wasn't worth mentioning. But they lived in a vastly different society in a different culture than we do. For people to quit their jobs nowadays, at least in America, and follow some preacher living off of the land, we're very much would be unheard of nowadays. We can't exactly kill a goat somewhere and go eat it here in the middle of Houston and live in a tent and have people not take notice and think that was a little bit odd. 
Itinerant preachers do sometimes come along nowadays, but they generally have entire churches or congregations funding their missions. So the point of the story of Jesus calling his disciples may not have been so much that they gave up their jobs, but that the disciples, one, followed him immediately, and two, that in quitting their jobs, the disciples set aside whatever it happened to have been that would have kept them from following Jesus. So if your job is keeping you from following Jesus, by all means quit. But I'm guessing that it's not. And we probably don't have to all quit work in order to follow Jesus. But there is likely something that each of us does need to give up in order to follow Jesus. Or for some of us, there are probably several somethings we might need to give up. Several somethings that are getting in the way of us following Jesus. And so... I'm going to spend a little bit of time talking about uh, some of the things that are ways in which we might be distracted or kept from following Jesus, and a little bit of time talking about what following Jesus might look like in the 21st century. We don't exactly have a physical human being to follow as the disciples did. For them, following Jesus wasn't necessarily easy, but they at least kind of knew what to do. Jesus said, follow me, and they said, okay, if I'm going to do that, I should go there, where he is. Taking, following Jesus today, takes it's not quite as clear where to go or what to do. There are many ways in which we can follow Jesus. Many things that we do, many things that we can do, but today I'd like to offer something rather simple as far as how to follow Jesus. And like a few weeks ago, I'm going to look again to the book, The Shack, um, which has apparently had something of an effect on me because I'm using it in two different sermons now. But again, if you haven't read, this is, this is a novel which is a story about a man who suffered a terrible tragedy and then got to spend several days with God, talking and spending time with God and getting a lot of healing in the process. So this character, Matt, in the passage I'm going to read, is having a conversation with Jesus about how to follow him. And the passage reads, Jesus said, I came to give you life to the fullest, my life. Mac was still straining to understand. My life is the simplicity and purity of enjoying a growing friendship. If you try to live this life without me, without the ongoing dialogue of us sharing this journey together, it would be like trying to walk on water by yourself. You can't do it. You can do it when I'm with you. But, if, but He walked on water at one point with Jesus there. He says, whenever you try to do it without me, you sink. Um, you can't walk on water by yourself, however well-intentioned you may be. He asked if you had ever tried to save someone from drowning. It's extremely hard to rescue someone unless they're willing to trust you. And that's all I ask of you. When you start to sink, let me rescue you. It seemed like a simple request, but Mac was used to being the lifeguard, not the one drowning. Jesus, I'm just not sure I know how. Let me show you. Just keep giving me the little bit of trust you have, and together we'll watch it grow. Mac began to put on his socks and shoes. Sitting here with you in this moment, it doesn't seem all that hard. But when I think about my regular life back home, I don't know how to keep it as simple as you're suggesting. I'm stuck in that same grasp for control everyone else is. 
politics, economics, social systems, bills, family, commitments. It can all seem a bit overwhelming. I don't know how I can change it all. No one's asking you to, Jesus said. That's the Holy Spirit's task, and he knows how to do it very well. All I want from you is to trust me with what little you can, and grow in loving people around you with the same love I share with you. It's not your job to change them or convince them. You're free to love without an agenda. Following Jesus by loving one another sounds an awful lot like John 13.34. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you. Even as I love you, so you also ought to love one another. Now it sounds like a very simple thing to do. So what then keeps us sometimes from loving one another? From loving Jesus? From simply talking to Jesus? and loving one another. What about all of that other stuff that we're supposed to do as Christians? Aren't we supposed to do some charity work and give our time to others, give our time to the church? We're supposed to pray, we're supposed to read the Bible. Uh, Four times a day we have to pray and then come to church every Sunday. We have all these tasks that we're supposed to do in order to follow Christ. But from Jesus' commandment to love one another, we're supposed to do whatever springs out of love. We would give to others and offer our time not out of compulsion, but out of genuine love and compassion for others. If we start by simply talking to Jesus, learning to trust and to love Him, and to love others, then the rest of the things that we may feel we are supposed to do will fall into place naturally. We might develop some strong love for a certain underprivileged group in our society and decide to serve them out of love, not because we're supposed to do it. If we would simply seek to follow Jesus, then we would start with the simple commandment to love one another. And so then, if following Jesus is so simple, then again, what distracts us? From Jesus, What keeps us from hearing his message, from following him? What might we need immediately to give up, like the disciples did with their fishing nets, in order to follow Jesus? Well, one thing we'll likely need to give up is fear. We generally have a good amount of fear about the uncertainty in our lives. Fear about tomorrow, fear about this afternoon, about... And yet some point that we might have, fear about what's going to happen in our lives 20 years into the future. We try to come up with some way of security, of getting rid of that fear. And so we place our security in various things, uh, oftentimes things other than Jesus, to help get rid of our fears. Well, if we're going to really follow Christ and love one another, we need to give up placing our sense of safety and security in things other than Jesus. Like the character, or like Jesus said in the shack, it's hard to save someone from drowning when that person won't let you won't let you help. As drowning people, we put our security in all kinds of things, and many of these things have proven over the last year or so not to provide all that much security. Jobs, retirement plans, homes, savings, the government, the market, the BCS. None of these some of y'all got that. None of sorry, Jane, none of these things can provide us with the security for which our souls are really longing. Now also at the same time, none of these things that I mentioned 
in which we place our trust are bad things. Our jobs, our retirement plans, our homes, our savings, the government, the market. The BCS might be bad, but none of these things are bad things. Homes obviously are pretty good. They keep us sheltered. They keep us together as families and friends. But when we place too much of our faith or trust in any of these things for our security, in any of these things to get rid of our fears, then we find trusting in Jesus to be much more difficult. And realize also that we are being asked to trust Jesus without an agenda. We trust Jesus not knowing what's going to happen in our lives. The disciples didn't know where they were going to go. They didn't ask Jesus for a road map and itinerary with a list of preaching topics and stops along the way before they followed him. He called, they trusted, they followed. Sometimes we tend to follow Jesus trusting that he will make our plans come to fruition. I trust you, Lord Jesus, with this future that I have set out for myself. You can see these spots and these marks in 20 years. Here's what I'm going to do, and I trust that you will make it all happen. But that's not what Jesus is calling or asking of us when he calls. Jesus is asking us to trust him and to follow him and to love him. Plain and simple. One of my favorite hymns states this idea of trusting in Jesus very beautifully. When peace like a river attends my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot you have taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. There is no promise in following Jesus that life will be perfect. We're asked to follow Jesus rather into the uncertainty of life. That same uncertainty into which we'd be going without Jesus. But with Jesus, we're being asked to go into the uncertainty of life with the one who loves us perfectly and who will never leave us. Now, we're not being asked to all quit our jobs. We're not being asked to live on the streets. What we're being asked to do is give up those things which keep us from trusting in Jesus. We're being asked to love Him, to love one another, and to let Him be with us, to be with Him in the uncertainty of life. Amen.